it's great to uh, be here. In, our, in the studio with us right now is Warren Ross. And Warren, first of all, let me introduce the theme for today, which is privatisation. So we're going to talk about... Well, Jeannie Baxter is going to talk... She's not actually going to talk. It's, I'm going to channel her. She sent me some notes. <laughs> she had to be away. Um, but Jeannie's going to talk about privatisation that's going on right now. Warren, you're going to talk about money, also debt, and how it relates to privatisation. Yes, privatisation and neoliberalism generally. And neoliberalism. And uh, Kerry Brown will be coming in, Councillor Kerry Brown will be coming in, and she's going to be talking about some of the infrastructure projects that are going on in New South Wales and what might be better alternatives, better for the environment, better for social cohesion, etc., and certainly better for finances. So it should be a great show. I hope you keep on listening. And we're going to start with a clip from Noam Chomsky uh, talking about neoliberalism. Noam Chomsky, we've played him here before, is a world-renowned linguist. I think he was a fellow at um, MIT, but he's been an activist for, oh, most of his life. He's probably 94, 95 at the moment, still giving in- interviews, still you know, going on shows like Democracy Now!, which is a show that you know, everyone should listen to, um, coming out of San Francisco public radio or community radio. But anyway, let's have a listen to what he has to say about neoliberalism. And the takeout for me is, you know, on this one, government is basically not your friend. So, yeah, let's have a listen. And while, while Amory is sitting up here, um, Warren, what's been the thing that's hit you this week? Well, the big event of the, actually last Thursday, um, someone that we, we're both fond of his books, um, David Graeber, the um, anthropologist and one of the champions of the Occupy movement, died last week at yeah. 59 years of age. Now, we thought David was going to be around for... That's right. You know, forever, leading the, um, the battle on, on, on so, so many of these important social issues. But, yeah, sadly... Died last week. It's still unclear. There hasn't been much in the media about the cause. Maybe someone, someone who who does know can uh, can advise us. Yeah. No. He was amazingly influential. His book Debt: The First Five Thousand Years was, I just thought, phenomenal. Which is a massive tome, isn't it? It's like eight hundred pages or something. And surprisingly, proved to be very popular. Which, you know, books by anthropologists aren't normally bestsellers. No. That was, a, that was a, an amazing work. It, it was, and, um, you know, I, I must have shared it to thousands of people. And I, I'm sure David won't mind. Actually, if you... You can actually find your own copy online. There's a PDF online. And David was a strange person. He, I'm, I'm sure he made, it, he made it available. Yeah. But, um, you, can, you can actually look, look, up, look the book up yourself online and, and, and uh, grab your own copy. Of course, it's always better to have have the hard copy, but, um, yeah, you can read it for yourself. Yeah, it's definitely a, a really brilliant um, read. One of the... I, I just remember... I, mean, I read it a few years ago, but I just remember the um, the story of uh, women in African villages who... Their, their whole social life was sort of paying each other back. They would walk kilometres with some onions or carrots or something as a gift, and then the other person would be obliged to walk kilometres back to give them another gift of the same value. 
and and that was their social. That was how they had the. That was their social network. Well, the funny thing about the, the, the woman, I think her name was Laura Bohannon, who was a um, an, an anthropologist, another anthropologist. And she went to a to a village in in um, rural Nigeria, and, and and the people were called the, the Tiv people, and she arrived there, and the village showered her with gifts, and. Um, being an anthropologist, she recorded those gifts, recorded who had given him what, which was something you and I mightn't have done. But she was lucky she did because a little while later the, um, the locals came to her and said, look, there's a ritual here. When someone gives you something, you must give them something back, but it must be of lesser or greater value because to give something back of the same value would be to break the relationship. Right, yes. So right, um, that's right. you had to be very careful about what you that's gave. Right, that's right. And, and, and it was a story of someone gave an emperor an inappropriate gift. Well, this, this I, 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 I know the story of uh, the story of Nazar Din, which was a famous Persian story, but uh, a character. But this this story is the uh, he's in a he's working his dad's taverna, and uh, emperor comes in, and the emperor says, "I, I, I wanted an omelette of quail eggs for my entourage," and uh, Nazar Din goes says to him, look, let me just check him, go, go out and he checks he has everything he needs and serves the, the emperor and uh, at the end of the meal the, the emperor says, that was absolutely fantastic, he said, what do I owe you? And uh, Nasruddin said, a hundred gold sovereigns and the, um, the emperor said, a hundred gold sovereigns? Are, are quail eggs really so rare around here? He said, no, quail eggs aren't rare but visits from kings are. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, the point of, of that is you gouge up where you can. In mm. the same way, um, this you are talking about the, the different relationships we have, the exchange one and the tip village, but there's also a hierarchical relationship. And Graeber's point is that our relationships are actually much more complicated in a social sense. They are simplified when money comes into mm -hmm. Money turns mm. them from obligations, yeah, that's right. social that's engagements, right. yeah. to debt. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very yeah, different yeah, thing. Yeah, because somebody who owed, say, the emperor um, or, or somebody else, say, a gift, would have to think, well, is a bunch of carrots equal to the bunch of onions that they gave me? And so, the, you know, th there was this sort of... And if they got it wrong, then it was an insult, you know? It could break the relationship. Yeah. So, very, very, very interesting book. Uh, are we right to go? Okay, so let, let's have a listen to Chomsky. Professor Chomsky, if I could. You know, the Internet has given us an extraordinary platform for dissenting journalism, my show being an example, but now we're seeing monopolies of big tech that works with government to silence free speech. Uh, what is the future of dissenting journalism in the world when big tech seems to have the power of censorship and people accept it because it's a quote unquote private company? People accept it is the crucial phrase. If people accept it, if people accept to be submissive to private power, then of course it'll take over, but we, they don't have to be. When books are banned by private power, civil libertarians don't take notice. I've actually had experience with this as well, going back to 1971, which uh, I often uh, wrote uh, books jointly with my friend Edward Herman. The first book we published was in 1971. It was a book on counter-revolutionary violence, uh, the violence used to suppress uh, popular movements. 
were thinking primarily about Vietnam, but others. Book was published, 20,000 copies, public, pretty small, flourishing publisher. The conglomerate, an executive of the conglomerate that owned the publisher, which is now Time Warner, who's in different name, didn't like the uh, book, ordered the publisher to retract it. When they refused, he put the entire publisher out of business, destroying all of their books. Now, this was brought to the attention of civil libertarians. They didn't see any problem with it. After all, the uh, conglomerate owns the publisher. If they want to put them out of business and destroy every one of their books, not just ours, that's uh, liberty. I see, I think there was one major exception, Ben Bakdigian, that did uh, stand up and say this is wrong, but virtually no one else. When we, uh, part of the genius of what we call neoliberalism, the, what we've been living under for 40 years, was uh, encapsulated in Ronald Reagan's inauguration speech. Mm. Everyone knows the phrase, government is the problem, not the solution. Translate that into English. That means that decisions are going to be made somewhere, but they shouldn't be made in government because government is somewhat responsible, responsive to the pop, to the public and somewhat under the control of the public. So take them out of public hands, put them in the hands of private tyrannies, which are totally unaccountable to the public in law and in practice. And then we will have what's called liberty. You have liberty if you abandon everything to unaccountable private power. Now that's what we've been living with for 40 years. Yeah, it's great. That's um, a really important thing to think about, isn't it? Because so for, I guess for the whole, um, I guess neoliberalism also coincided with the growth of government and the growth of the welfare state and our reliance on government. And at least here in Australia, most people think that government is their friend. Yeah, well, in a sense in which government has become an enabler of the of of of, of private interests in that uh, in that time, and there are, what they've done is they've stepped to the side and vacated a lot of their responsibilities and become, as I said, more of an, an, an enabler. Examples of that efforts like the job agencies and increasingly privatised health and, and education. But one area I wanted to, to get to today is, is the way that they've, in a sense, enabled a type of economic money system. That one of the things that's happened in the States last last year there was something called PAYGO that was going on which was a, a Koch brothers initiative and what this idea was was, was the idea that government would be funded purely through taxes so it would then stop issue, issuing bonds and, and, and raising money through that which is really a spurious technique anyway but rely on taxes now that is a path to socialism because which the Koch brothers I guess they, they knew what they were doing and we wouldn't have ended up there but if the government stopped spending, ultimately, and we kept paying our taxes, money would disappear completely. Because, in, in, in a, this is something we can discuss late, later on, but our, our taxes actually don't fund government. When you, when you pay tax, all that happens is that your money is reduced in your account. 
And in a sense, paying tax destroys money. The government doesn't need it. The government has all the money, it, the federal government has all the money it needs. But we've, we're completely confused as to what money is. And this is something that Graeber recorded. He said that what we call money isn't a thing at all. It's a way of comparing things mathematically as say, one of X is the equivalent of six of Y. Money was no more invented than was music, mathematics or jewellery. As such, it's probably as old as human thought. It's just a measuring tool. It's a little bit like running out of money is, is, is like a builder running out of inches on a building site. They can't. The federal government cannot. So we, but we've had this game in which governments have pretended they don't have this capacity. All the while, they've been enabling the private sector to take over more and more of the public domain through, through these privatisations. And um, can you just explain that a bit? Well, a bit of detail, like. Well, for for example, we're constantly told that governments don't have the money for for public infrastructure, and so you have to. This is where these private-public partnerships come in. Um, someone like Nick Nick Reiner, who left government as a, as a state government, went, walked straight out of his office and went to work for a toll road company. Mm, yeah. There are so many yeah. examples. Yeah. Yeah. True of our, but, our education, yeah. our health system. There's always this pretense that the government doesn't have the money. And when it does that, it, it pushes the costs under us. And in, increasingly we've seen that. There's a wonderful book I've mentioned before, Risking Together, which discusses, which is, I, I think the uh, other part of the title is, uh, our finances come to dominate everyday life in Australia. When, when government hands these tasks over into the private sector, the private sector charges, and we end up with with in increased costs. And Australians are now somewhere like the second or the fourth most indebted population mm, yeah. in, in the world, households, uh, the, something like that, second to the fourth. Now, Actually the second. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So the question is, how do they get away with this, this narrative? When, when we know that governments have the capacity to, and this has been coming out through the MMT debates, the modern monetary theory debates, we've seen that the government has this capacity to, to spend. And this has put some of our leading financial accountant reporters on the back foot because they've been arguing for the longest time. They've been running this line, government has to be careful, has to be very careful in its spending because for whatever reason. And uh, there are a couple of... It's, it's the fact that their story is, is carried and not challenged in the mainstream press. And a couple of, I've got a couple of examples. One's Martin Wolf, who writes for the Financial Times. He's had to modify his story a little bit. He's, because we've seen government spending. We've seen suddenly there was no money, and now there's, the government has all the money it needs to fix any problem. So what's happened? Well, Wolf said he's, been, he's had to step back and explain that to the public in a gentle way. He says, in my view, it, it, it's right and wrong. This idea of modern monetary theory is right and wrong. It's right because there's no simple budget constraint. Well, there's an admission. There is no budget constraint. The government can't run out of money. But he continues. It's wrong because it will still prove impossible to manage an economy once the politicians believe there is, there's no budget constraint. So once, he's saying, once the politicians know that there's no constraint, they'll go wild in their spending. Well, Which they kind of are. <laughs> well, I don't know whether they're going wild. They're, they're, um, they're actually saving the economy at, at the moment. But this, this idea that the politicians will go wild, well, there's no, there's no sense really that they've, that they've, they've done that in the, in the past. They're all always, they were running the narrative that we're running out of money. They're always telling us that 
that we, you know, we had to be so careful with our budget. We had to manage head towards this surplus. We had to run this this, this surplus concept. Another favourite is 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 Ross Gittins. Everyone's favourite economist is Ross Gittins, and Ross says Ross has been an opponent of modern monetary theory. Quite, you know, well, in fact, he ignored it, but only just now he started to pick up because he has to answer it. And he said. This is what really worrying opponents of MMT, including me. If you let politicians off the leash to spend as much as they liked, how would you then stop them once that point that that that, that point of, of you know of over overspending was reached? Russ has just he's let us in. He's told us that they don't have that budget constraint, but he's worried about the politicians overspending. Well, they haven't. We've seen for years that politicians. Haven't done, right now we're in the middle of a crisis, and so they've had to spend. But they've never done that. But what, what would be the consequences of politicians overspending? Well, the one fear that everyone talks about is, is inflation. Is inflation, inflation. Yeah. But we're miles from inflation. We have something like 16 to 18% of our population unemployed, underemployed, or they've given up dealing with the vicious job agencies. So there's no sense we're anywhere near that, that, that inflation limit. But they continue. We've had this. We've had this lie for so many years that have constrained government and pushed us towards this neoliberalism that has pushed us towards privatisation. Yeah. And it's been completely unnecessary. It's caused so much hardship and and suffering that it's inexcusable. And we've had agreement in our mainstream media. Our mainstream media has, has supported this 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 game, which is which is. You know, allowed government to vacate that public space. We're looking at the moment, for example, at um, there's a report today in the Financial Review about the new world of finance. And companies like the National Australia Bank are working with are working with Google now. And they're talking about putting up our financial information into the cloud. So more and more of our day-to-day training mm. will have a financial component. Mm. They even talked about things like You've heard of the gig economy and air taskers and things like that. To be to be an ad for for jobs in the gig economy, where it'll be combined with uh, the offer of a um, of a short term loan. Yeah, right. Yeah. You already know these people are suffering, and so you're going to prey on them. That's that's the that's, that's yeah. The uh, but just just going back a bit, another argument is that if if too much money is in supply, right? If there's a or in circulation, then the 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 international value of the, the currency goes down and it, it becomes less attractive as a investment. But only a stupid government would do that. That's, that's what a stupid government would, 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 would do, would, over, would overspend. Now, if on the other hand you're talking about bond dealers tra- trading on the, on the dollar and driving the, you know, driving the dollar down or something like that, Bill Mitchell answered that in a conversation with Peter Martin and Gigi Foster on the ABC's money program, uh, sorry, the, the Economist program, about uh, three or four, three or four months ago, in which um, Mitchell explained to a good example, which would happen during the Asian financial crisis. The only country that came through that Asian financial crisis cleanly was Malaysia, because Malaysia put capital controls on on on, on people playing with their dollar. Mm. Now. If the, if the government is spending responsibly, you're not facing inflation. You're, you're facing some sort of international currency attack. Well, governments can stop that. They are the controllers of their currency. That is not a fear. 
And so many of these furfies are thrown up to excuse neoliberalism, to force our governments into this passive, impotent role. Our governments are not passive or impotent unless they choose to be. And that's what we're facing. We're, they've, they've done this over, over years. They've been cowed. And our media hasn't helped. Because our media's been, our media is, you know, this is, this is what Chris Hedges calls, talks about, the corporate state. We're increasing yeah. our corporate state. Mm. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, there isn't so much of a, or there's not so much, there's very little daylight now between, you know, politicians and corporate, corporate CEOs. And there's a rolling door, you know, sort of straight out of, of politics, straight into um, CEO of whatever. Oh, that's remarkable. And uh, even, in, I think in the US there's something like three, you have to wait three years before you can go from uh, the public to the private sector, uh, yeah, public to private sector. In Australia, it's just, it's, they even, um, some politicians even start working for oh, companies like, examples. you know, like Baird, I think, went straight to yeah. Westpac. You know, Martin and Ferguson didn't wait, wait too long. Ian McFarlane was, was pretty quick. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, a Anna Bly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Brendan Nelson, he did yeah. very well for himself. Yeah. Straight into the War Memorial and then uh, the uh, where he, he allowed, sponsor, allowed Lockheed Martin to... No, sorry, Boeing to uh, sponsor the War Memorial, then went straight to the job as the uh, Asia-Pacific um, head of Boeing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Terrific stuff. So, so it, it's, it's not a meritocracy... No, by no, any no. means, it's an oligarchy, really. Yes, yes, anyway. <laughs> so, and you were going to... How does this... So, how does this relate to the current climate of big spending and increasing privatisation? At, at the moment, what we need, we need, we need... At the moment, we need government to spend in, in the public interest rather than assisting private organisations yeah. to... And, that, that game that game should be over. But how you re-engineer that process, I I really don't I really don't know. But one of the, the, the one of the great tricks used to hamstring governments is this idea of of, um, of of taxpayers' money. Is the idea that the governments need this 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 money in order for um, pay for service and, and the, now. That, there's another side. There's another side to that, and that is, this. It's as a, it uses another trick. It's used as a way of um, creating a resentment. Whenever you hear a politician or a bureaucrat or a, a business person talking about taxpayers' money, you can always be certain that they're talking about they're, they're putting a pejorative slant on spending in that in, in that particular area mm, yeah. of, of activity, yeah. um, because. It's used to create resentment, but it also creates a certain hubris in the um, in the electorate because there's a sense in which it's my money. Yeah, well, also I pay my taxes. I pay my taxes. Yeah, my yeah. money, you know. But the, the truth of the matter is, you're just a user of the system. It's a little bit like I was listening to the debate last night about the uh, koalas, mm. and you heard uh, Barilaro was in today's financial review saying, "We've got to get rid of this green tape." So that these these farmers can get on with their development and whatever. Well, you know, no, no, those farmers are on the users of that land, on according to public regulation and public say so. You know, you know government regulation. The same with with money. We are users of of, the, of of money, according to a set of rules. That money is not ours. 
We didn't make it. There's no sense that we, that we made it. And, you know, otherwise you'd be saying to yourself that um, Jeff Bezos, he earns $34, $35 billion. So there's something wrong with the system when someone extracts that level of money from the system. Mm. Something very wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, there yeah. are reasons to tax, but um, funding government isn't one of them. You know? Yeah, and, and I mean, the other thing that's crept in under neoliberalism too is the sense that government controls the money and that, in a sense, is... We've forgotten that actually we pay the wages of our politicians. Like we're, that, that, that's been so, so. You know, politicians will will vote themselves a pay rise, or they'll um, give themselves all these powers. And there's, it's become so sort of authoritarian in a way that you are beholden to government rather than it serving you. Yeah, I think it was just a few years ago now they gave themselves a $30,000 30, pay rise. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, the, the, per, the perks are phenomenal and there's no investigate, investigation, there's no scrutiny. The thing, things, especially under COVID, things like the sports rot, the, uh, inquiry has been put off um, and it's just, it just goes on and on and on and will keep on going on and on and on. 